Santi and Carlin. A new team has emerged in the mix for Kevin Durant, who just under a month ago requested a trade away from the Brooklyn Nets. It's Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, sitting in for the guys on this Monday afternoon. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at Courtney R. Cronin at Mike Wells NFL. You can also hit us up on the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We're asking you... Is Jalen Brown enough for Kevin Durant? Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Why are we asking you that? Because the Boston Celtics have emerged now as a team that is seeking Kevin Durant's services. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reporting this in the wee hours of Monday morning that Boston is interested in sending Jalen Brown multiple draft picks for the next couple years, a couple swaps in there, to Brooklyn in exchange for Kevin Durant. And my first reaction to this, Mike, is is Jalen Brown, is that enough of a player to send in order for Brooklyn to say, okay, we're ready to part ways with Kevin Durant? You know, that's, you know, my mind was even a step further, Courtney. Why would Boston want to break up a team that had a two-to-one series lead over Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins in the NBA Finals and go and try to think short-term and get Kevin Durant in when their core players are all under the age of 30 years old. Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant, unbelievable talent. I love watching KD play, but he's going to be 34 years old next season. And he's also a player who has been suffering from injury some. And he's had to carry so much of his load. So unless Boston believes they're going to win, be able to win back-to-back titles the next couple of years, don't try to disrupt what you have because Boston is capable enough to get back to the NBA Finals for the second straight year. Yes, Giannis is going to come back on a mission in um, in Milwaukee. Yes, Philly added some pieces to go with James Harden and Joel Embiid. But the core is there. Boston has a, a legit point guard. There's no more having Marcus Smart handle the ball. They got Malcolm Brogdon. They're set up for the success for the present and the future. Why try to disrupt that for the short term? And there's no guarantee it's going to work out with Kevin Durant because of his inability to stay healthy the last couple seasons. It's amazing now that we are a month or so, just under a month removed from when KD's request was initially made. It was like hours before free agency started, and there was no movement. There was a lot of chatter about teams getting involved. There was Kevin Durant's list, which included two contenders in the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat. We now know because of the DeAndre Ayton situation that Phoenix feels, at least right now, like they're out of it, at least for the time being. But he wants to go to a contender. The Boston Celtics also fall into that mix, and it you know it's just interesting because if you read Woj's story up at ESPN.com, there's like it's kind of like a non-story within a story, and that's not to say anything about about Adrian Wojnarowski and the reporting about that, but it's like another team has entered in the mix. No deal is imminent. Why? Because it's going to take a boatload for 
any team to inquire and get Kevin Durant services because, as like Mike said, he's a top two to three player currently playing basketball in the world. He might be top ten all time, depending upon what your list looks like. And it feels like there's a better chance of this guy going back to the Brooklyn Nets this next season, or at least for a portion of the season, than another team getting in the mix. Sure. The Boston Celtics have inquired about this and they have you know, put out the request saying, hey, we'll send you Jalen Brown. If you're the Brooklyn Nets, you're saying Jalen Brown is not going to be enough. Let's see Marcus Smart. Let's see maybe another, you know, Derek White, another piece in there. And then you get back to the point where the asking price is too high. There's nothing imminent right now, but they are squarely in the mix, according to Woj. Uh, now we know another team that has emerged. And it's interesting because at this point... July 25th, I remember I was here in in Seaport the day that the first trade request or the trade request came out. We haven't heard from Kevin Durant, but we have also not heard him say anything to the contrary of requesting this trade. Here's Woj on why KD has not backed off his trade request. He has not backed off that trade request he made uh, going on four weeks now. And so certainly Brooklyn has continued to try to find trades for Durant, uh, but listen, in a perfect world, the Nets would love to keep Kevin Durant and pair him with Kyrie Irving uh, and the <clears throat> and see what it all looks like with Ben Simmons next season. Uh, but Kevin Durant, that trade request remains in place. Kenny and Carlin presented by Progressive Insurance, so the waiting game goes on, and you've got to ask yourself how much longer until we find something out. And we are reaching the dog days of training camp or of the, the summer yes. for the NBA, like for the NBA offseason. Uh, the finals ended a month ago. Uh, summer league is over as well. A lot of these guys are taking rest and time off and getting out of the country, doing whatever they have to do before training uh, camp reports. Uh, listen, Courtney, September you know, 26. I, 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 I covered the NBA for 10 years. Once the first of August gets here, things essentially just kind of shut down. It's kind of like that period after in the NFL, after mini camp Mm -hmm. leading up to the start of training camp in the NFL. That's what happens. The first of August gets here. Front office executives are going on vacations. Uh, Players are off doing whatever while they're training. It just kind of, it becomes very quiet. I'm, I gotta say, I'm a little surprised that Kevin Durant is still a Brooklyn net. I think it's probably more so that the Nets front office believes they have, they have to stay patient and wait because they cannot afford to mess this trade up. They cannot afford not to get everything back that they believe they deserve for one of the best players in the world because it's going to be a process of, okay, they're going to slowly try to get you know young talent that can come in and contribute, get those first-round draft picks that they believe they deserve in this situation. So this could drag on for quite some time. On the flip side, with this report would woge about the Boston Celtics, Jalen, anybody who's on Twitter probably has seen Jalen Brown's SMH shaking my head tweet. I'm wondering – if if Jalen's going to be upset more from a Boston standpoint of the lack of respect that they want to try to move him for Kevin Durant, uh, how is this going to impact inside that organization, especially if Jalen Brown is still with the Boston Celtics when the season starts? Yeah, I mean, this is a championship team that just went to the finals, took the Golden State Warriors to six games. And it did feel like they were a miss. They had a missing piece that just wasn't there because 
Jalen Brown was the most consistent player in the finals, and he didn't get that consistent support from his teammate, Jason Tatum, who gets all of the headlines. He's the guy that Boston built around in large part the last couple years after they were able to take all of those draft picks from the Kevin Garnett Paul Pierce trade more than a decade ago and eventually flip those into what most of the current roster looks like. Maybe Jalen Brown feels disrespected uh, for a number of different reasons. When we were talking with Frank Iasola of Sirius XM NBA Radio, he brought that up as a possibility that now maybe it's beyond repair. So who knows how Jalen Brown, uh, in, in the relationship he currently has with the Boston Celtics, how that might get frayed from this trade request going through. But it's clear that, you know, Boston clearly sees its window to contend right now and it feels like it can do that if it has that missing piece, which, of course, like we've said all along, it's Kevin Durant. You don't move mountains for just any player in the NBA. A generational talent, you're going to do that. We'll see if this pans out. Right now, we're still in that holding pattern after 30 days uh, of Kevin Durant's uh, waiting period here with after requesting his trade from the Brooklyn Nets. So we'll see if he's able to go anywhere, if he's trying to work his way to Miami, just like another star did this offseason. And he's now comparing his old quarterback to his old, his new quarterback to his old quarterback. That's next, ESPN Radio, ESPN Out. Canton and Carlin. Big Hill continues to double down on his take that Tua Tagovailoa is an incredibly accurate quarterback, maybe even more accurate than the quarterback he just played with in Kansas City. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. Courtney Kernan, Mike Wells, sitting in for the guys. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. So earlier today, I was on first take. And my colleague, Bart Scott, was in an interview with Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill, who joined the show. And this is what Tyreek had to say about why he believes that Tua, again, is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. You know, I see a lot of similarities, you know, when when I look at him and when I see Patrick, you know. So he's definitely, like, he's definitely on the song, you know. I hope you can see you had an opportunity right. to pick between Tua or pick between Zach Wilson, and you decided South Beach instead of New York. What was the what, what was the determining factor in that? I'm crying. I, 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 I say it once, and I say it, say it again. You know, Zach Zach Wilson is a dog, but I rather play with the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. Dog. Okay, so hmm. when you can pick your jaw up off the ground. Knowing that Tyreek Hill just doubled down on saying that he wanted to play with the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, and he's referring to Tua about that. I wouldn't say he caught flack for this earlier this offseason when he said it on his podcast, but it certainly created the topic of conversation of, well, was did he not think Patrick Mahomes was that accurate? What does he know about, uh, about Tua Tagovailoa that we potentially don't? Um, and he said it again. Now, Bart obviously was a little hurt over the fact that his Jets were not the destination for Tyreek Hill. But, you know, I understand what he said about Zach Wilson. The fact that he continues to say the same thing about Ty- about Tua makes me believe that maybe he's on to something and this isn't just blowing smoke about his quarterback. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to go that far, Courtney. I mean, listen, you... You, we we we've been around. Unless there's really issues inside the locker room, you, everybody goes to bed. I mean, I was you know I covered the well I covered the Indianapolis Colts and last year 
it, despite Carson Wentz clearly not having it, everybody, all the players are defending Carson Wentz publicly. They were defending him nonstop publicly. Yes, Tyreek Hill is saying, you know, he he's saying that two is his guy and he's got an accurate quarterback. Listen, he, Ty, Tyreek's got, he's got South Beach. He's got prime 112 to go eat dinner at down in South Florida. He has the nice weather, the beautiful water, the beautiful people the in no general. The no-state income there. tax. Exactly, as our good friend Chris Canty said in the last hour. He's got a better life. He's living a better life down in Miami. Could you and so, listen, so that's why I can see why he says, all right, yes, two was an accurate, you know, the best, that most accurate quarterback in the NFL. Let's see how long this lasts when questions start wondering, should Tua, should Tua lose his starting job down there with the Dolphins? Hopefully Tua doesn't. And if he says accurate, maybe he's talking about short underneath throws. He definitely sure. can't be talking about, uh, you know, the long ball because people question Tua's arm strength. So I, I just kind of I kind of laugh when Tyreek said it. More prop, more power to him for sticking up for his QB. I get it. You got you to gotta ride with the guy who's starting for you. So humor me. Could this potentially be some reverse psychology from Tyreek or maybe just him trying to set himself up to absolve himself of responsibility if Tua can't <laughs> get it done with the weapons that have been put around? Him. We know he has speed on the outside with Jalen Waddell in that mix. Tyreek Hill, Mike Gusecki is still part of the fold there. They just brought in Teron Armstead to be part of the offensive line and shore up some of the pass protection. In short, they've done everything to help their quarterback succeed. So either this is him, Tyreek Hill, that is truly believing, yeah, he's got everything he can he needs in order to take that next step, or him saying, okay, like, you have everything you need to take that next step. If you don't, that's on you. Which side do you think the reality falls on here? Hey, Tyreek's protecting himself. That's what he's doing. He's out there. He's saying, all right, you know what? Hey, the pieces are there. I was there. I'm the speed guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm getting open. It's not my fault if Tua can't get get the ball to me. So that's what Tyreek's doing. He's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look out for myself, make sure I say the right things to the media or on the podcast or whatnot so that I, I'm protecting the franchise. So if things don't work out, it's not on me. Mm-hmm. I did my part. I did my part. It's it, it, it's up to the Dolphins to find that QB. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Tua fan. I enjoyed watching him when he was at – at uh at, at Alabama, mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping it works out with the Dolphins for him and stuff. But there's just been you know some question marks on if he truly truly is that guy that can be you know they they can lead the Dolphins to push New England and Buffalo in the AFC East. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Part of me wonders, Mike Wells, Mike Wells, Courtney Cronin, sitting in for Kenny and Carlin, um, if all of this pressure that Tyreek Hill is putting onto uh, via his comments of support could actually end up backfiring in the end. Because it just feels like at this point he keeps talking about him. And we haven't seen any games yet. We haven't seen even any training camp camp practices yet. All we saw were a couple cut-ups that the Dolphins put out during minicamp and OTAs uh, of routes being, you know, routes on air, balls being thrown without any actual pressure uh, towards the quarterback. It's, it's fair to say he's trying to give his quarterback a confidence boost, but he's also setting the bar pretty high for Tua, saying he's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. No, yeah, no, he is because think about this too. I mean, I mean, Tyreek Hill, he just left Patrick Mahomes, a guy who was an MVP and won a Super Bowl in Kansas City. He left Patrick Mahomes 
you know, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL to go to an unproven quarterback. He has to be able to lift and put uh, Tua up on a pedestal and put him to the top and pr- give high praise because if, if Tua struggles, people say, you, you, listen, you, you left KC, a team that is a Super Bowl contender every year, to a team that may not even make the playoffs. So he's got – he has to say those things. He has to praise his QB because you know you, you know his phone's been blowing up, getting texts from people talking about, really? You had Patrick. You had Patrick now. You've gone from Patrick to Tua. Good luck there. Yeah. I mean, if he doesn't deliver this year, Tua, that is, he could. they could very well be in the mix for a new quarterback in 2023. I'm sure that Tua knows that. I'm sure that Tyreek Hill knows that he might be catching passes from someone else next year if his guy doesn't deliver in the way that he, at least he's hyping him up for us to believe that he can deliver. Proof will be in the pudding. Time will tell. But from what we know about Tua Tagovailoa, the accuracy, like, it's two different conversations. The arm strength's one. And we know where that one lies. The accuracy is another. And within all of those things, it's, well, where do the throws go? Are they short, intermediate passes? Are they checkdowns? Can he sling the long ball? Like He can do a lot of different things. But to call him the most accurate quarterback in the NFL feels like Tyreek Hill might be putting a little bit too much cart before the horse. I mean, he looked pretty relaxed when he was on first take with the stunner shades on and laying on the couch getting ready for training camp in Miami. Maybe that will wear off after a couple training camp practices and we get to see these teams uh, have live action against each other, offense and defense, and we'll get to see how Tyreek Hill handles pressure. But at this point... Tyreek Hill's stand, or Tua Tagovailoa, how he handles pressure, but at this point, Tyreek Hill standing by his guy saying Tua indeed is one of the, if not the, most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Coming up next, could the Chiefs wide receiver room actually be a strength, even if Tyreek Hill is not there? That's next. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Canton and Carlin. This is ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days. The Kansas City Chiefs. Well, in the AFC West, it's got to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I I think they have the best quarterback in the division, and and I get it. I know there's going to be a lot of skepticism now that Tyreek Hill is in Miami. I think it's going to be different. I think they're going to be much more diverse, and Patrick Mahomes just has to play point guard. That's what you're going to see at this offense this year. It's going to be everybody. It's not going to be one guy. I mean, obviously, Travis is going to still get a lot of completions, a lot of yards, but I think the whole receiving room um, is going to have big days, and I think that can be something that we can use to our advantage. Six 
consecutive division titles. That is the longest active streak in the NFL, and that is an accolade owned by the Kansas City Chiefs. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. He's Mike Wells. I'm Courtney Cronin. We're sitting in for the guys on this Monday afternoon. And our ESPN Radio two-a-day series rolls on. This time, talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, the powerhouse team coming out of the AFC West. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. We call it a SWOT analysis. Mike, I'll start with you. Biggest strength to the Kansas City Chiefs in 2022. I'm not going to take the obvious of Patrick Mahomes here. I'm going to say they got the best tight end of football and Travis Kelsey. So many question marks on how they're going to replace Tyreek Hill, wide receiver. They have uh, Kelsey, 92 receptions, over 1,100 yards. He is a hybrid wide receiver, a big body that Patrick Mahomes can turn to. I love Travis Kelsey. He's an incredible player. I will reference him a little later on. But my strength to this team, I will also not go with the obvious. And maybe this is actually more obvious than I'm putting it out there to be. But Andy Reid, like we talk so much about Patrick Mahomes, and he is absolutely incredible since 2018, the time that he became the full-time starter in Kansas City. They've had the number one scoring and number one total offense. Well, where do you think a lot of that comes from? Andy Reid is an incredible coach. The pairing of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes together creates this dynamic duo that is going to win championships from here on out. They've already won a Super Bowl. We know that they will be back. We know the AFC is tougher this year, so there will be more threats, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. But Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame coach. His scheme is incredible. He knows how to get guys in the be- give guys the best opportunity possible on the offensive end uh, and put his quarterback in the best position possible to tap into strengths that only scheme-transcendent quarterbacks are able to do. So for me, the strength of this team, they still got Andy Reid at the helm. And any team that has Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes at the helm is a scary team to watch. Okay, weaknesses for the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, where, where's the pass rush going to come from? Mm-hmm. Again, you know, they don't have that dominant pass rush. And playing in the AFC West, where now Russell Wilson is going to be starting for the Denver, Denver Broncos. You also have Devontae Adams joining Derek Carr as a threat. If you can't get to the quarterback in that division, those quarterbacks are going to have a field day, and it's going to make it tough for Patrick Mahomes and that offense to go toe-to-toe, potentially having to score 40-plus points if their edge rush can't find a way to put pressure on opposing QB. Kansas City generated just 31 sacks last season. That's fourth-fewest in the NFL. They did draft... Uh, I never pronounce his name right. George Karoloftis, I believe, uh, from Purdue. The defensive end, that was their first-round pick this year. So certainly you'd like to think that that will bolster a pass rush that wasn't very good last season. For me, the weakness, though, still remains on the back half of this group. I know that they were top 10 in scoring defense the last three seasons under Steve Spagnuolo, but their secondary needs some work. Yes, they addressed it. Five of their 10 draft picks this year all focused on the secondary, but they've got to overcome the loss of the Honey Badger. They've got to overcome two other losses um, in Mike Hughes as well. Charvarius Ward is gone. They've got some young players. I like Trent McDuffie as a prospect. I'm very curious to see how he fits in this scheme, but that's got to be a focal point for this defense in taking a step forward this year because, like you mentioned, Mike, The AFC West is filled with very, very good quarterbacks. Everybody from Russell Wilson to Derek Carr to Justin Herbert, they like to throw the ball all around the field. And if your secondary can't contain them, it's going to be those high-scoring games we've been so accustomed to seeing throughout the AFC West the last couple of years. 
Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Okay, opportunities for the Kansas City Chiefs this season. Some tells me you and I are going to agree on this one, Courtney. But the opportunity, number of opportunities for them to replace Tyreek Hill's 111 receptions is not going to be one player. But they do have depth at that mm-hmm. position. You, they go out and get uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. You got Marquez Valdez-Cantley. You also have a, another speed, speedster, and I also mess up his name, McCole Hardman. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be opportunities for Patrick Mahomes to spread the ball around to try to make up for those 111 receptions that Tyreek Hill had last season. There's no Tyreek Hill on the, on the Chiefs roster, but... There's going to be a chance for other players to step up and get their shine on in his, in, you know, now that uh, Tyreek is down in Miami. Yeah, so for me, it's one of those other players that you see on that in the addition column on ESPN+. And that's former Tampa Bay running back Ronald Jones. For me, the run game is going to be a big portion of this offense this year because when they've got to replace Tyreek Hill or at least change and alter a little bit of what they do without him there – Leaning on the run game is an absolute no-brainer. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, former first-round draft pick, still a very viable back. But if you get that one-two punch with him, Ronald Jones, I mean, we saw how good Ronald Jones was in Tampa Bay as that complimentary piece. And, you know, can he maybe help Clyde Edwards-Alaire bounce back from what was a disappointing season? for all intents and purposes, for him last year. I'm expecting a breakout year for both of them. So that is my opportunity for the Chiefs. All right, let's wrap this thing up with some threats. What's your threat? Oh, man, you know what? I truly don't think the biggest threat is if those other receivers can't step up. That's the only thing I think that can slow down if they can't. The receivers cannot, if the receivers cannot step up and help replace um, Tyreek Hill because the reality is Patrick Mahomes will make a, uh, average receivers good, good receivers great. So the, the, they have to be able to catch the ball from Patrick. Simple threat. If they don't do it, it could be a struggle for uh, Kansas City in the AFC West. So the AFC West itself is a massive threat and could potentially impede on the Chiefs getting back to the divisional playoffs and then onto the AFC championship game where they lost last year to the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think just the entire cannibalistic nature of the AFC. You have teams that are so good and this this is such a top heavy from like one to nine. Really, of any team that you could see that would actually contend for a Super Bowl, it's so different than what the NFC is. So I think the makeup of the AFC this year is probably the biggest threat to a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, even though I've said this here, I've said this on TV, I think that they're going to win the AFC West this year. But, man, it's going to be a gauntlet for them to get there. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. Coming up next is the biggest threat outside of the Chiefs, the Bills. That's next. ESPN Radio, ESPN app. ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days. An in-depth preview of every team in the National Football League. Two teams every day as we storm towards training camp. NFL Two-A-Days continues on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells. So when we were doing our pre-show meeting today and going through our segments of what we're going to talk about, planning out the show, one thing our producer Evan Wilner brought up to us is that apparently it's not National Burger Day, but there's all these lists that are coming out on Twitter of here's nine food items. If you have to like take away one, which one is it going to be? Or here's nine hamburgers from 
a number, a bevy of food, fast food chain restaurants, which one would you choose if you could only choose one? So because I'm very Pavlovian in my responses, Mike Wells, and I needed to go get something to eat after I got off our call, I walked downstairs here at the Seaport in, in New York City at ESPN's Pier 17 Studios, and what do I go get? I get a hamburger. <laughs> I'm a creature of habit, and when you like give me an idea, I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I didn't think of that. Let me go do exactly what you just told me to do. In seeing this list of burgers, the one that I had probably looks more like a Shake Shack burger. It was that's one of those I'm little trendy about. ones. Um, yes. not, not overly greasy, which is what I like about it. And there's no sauce on it. It's just like cheese, lettuce, tomato, burger, bun. No sauce? Let's go. I don't do mayonnaise. I don't do no sauce. Like, no no ketchup, nothing. So just give me the burger as constructed. Um, And if I'm going for, like, an upper echelon fast food burger, some might call that fast casual, that is the type of burger I would go for on this list. Shake Shack is there. I am also going to pick Shake Shack. Ooh, yes. Yes, Court. I'm t- I always knew you and I was going to be good homies, man. I always knew we, you and I was going to be tight on that list. I, I, I will say this. The, the one I, I have not had a McDonald's burger in probably 10 years. And I love ham. I, I I love I love burgers. I love I love grilling burgers. I love you know if there's a place that you know whether it's Shake Shack or you know earlier you mentioned you like Whataburger. Anytime when I was covering the, my ten years of covering the NBA, anytime I was in Texas, when I was in San Antonio, or if I was in Dallas, I hit up a I hit up Whataburger as soon as I landed. Mm-hmm. I would base my eating schedule off of that, knowing that I knew where every location was at, That's and what I used to like. Do. I, yeah, I used I used to like I used to like In and Out. I used to like it um, when I would go out west, the old Arco Arena in San in uh, Sacramento. There was an In and Out right around the corner from it. But I just couldn't do it. Give me Shake Sack, simple, and but a little gourmet to it. And all I needed some ketchup on mine was some bacon, cheese, and lettuce. Okay, so the good thing about Shake Shack too, and especially in this picture, it's from at Today in Sports Co. They, it says tough choice, pick one. Um, they give you the little like wrap to put it in so your hands aren't getting disgusting and gross, whereas if I was eating something from Five Guys, it would probably spill all over the place and be an absolute mess. So I'm taking Shake Shack. Mike's taking Shake Shack. No in and out for us. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. There's some news involving the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver room that just came out today. The team on the cusp of reporting to training camp. UDFA Justin Ross will be placed on injured reserve. It ends his season before it even begins. He recently underwent foot surgery. But this Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver room will look very different 
this year, whether Justin Ross is there or not. Why? Because Tyreek Hill is no longer with the Chiefs. He's with the Miami Dolphins, and they made several additions this offseason to try to fill the void that was left with Hill's departure. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, and Mike Wells holding it down for the guys. So one of our guys, Chris Canty, was on Greeny this morning and had this to say about the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver room now as opposed to where it was before with Tyreek Hill. The quality of the receiving core actually took an uptick to me because although mm. you're losing a game breaker in Tyreek Hill, think about this. There's no argument that MVS is a better receiver than your guy uh, Demarcus Robinson. Sure. There's no argument that Juju Smith-Schuster is a better receiver than Byron Pringle. Of course. Those aren't arguments. And so Sky Moore, look at what what he could potentially be as a second-round pick. We'll see. The Kansas City Chiefs feel like this guy had the best hands in the draft of but any receiver. But I'm still receiver. removing the probably I'm, a top I'm, two I'm, to three I'm, game breaker in the I'm league. I'm not I'm not dismissing that, but in terms of the overall depth and the quality of that depth in your receiver room, it's better than what it was a year ago. So do you agree with that, Mike Wells? Is it better than not having Tyreek Hill there? Because I can understand Chris's point for the depth factor where – it's no longer the offense is no longer going to like run through Tyreek Hill in the way it did last year. They've got to spread the ball around, and they at least have the numbers game that will help them from that respect. You know, people could say, "Well, God, you know, now that Tyreek's gone, the, the Chiefs are going to be tough to try to uh, defend because of they're going to have to spread the ball around." Listen, everybody knew Tyreek Hill was going to get catch the football last season. 111 receptions on 159 targets from Patrick Mahomes last season. It didn't matter. Tyreek was going to find a way to get open. Andy Reid is an offensive genius. He will figure it out and take advantage of the depth they had at that position to be able to make sure the Chiefs offensively still maintain their, their, their uh, reputation of being one of the best offenses in the NFL. I'm not worried about that because that's the reason why Kansas City has won the AFC West six straight years. So let me read you what their wide receiver room looks like now. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling came from Green Bay, signed a pretty hefty deal, more than I thought he was going to command in free agency, and he is effectively wide receiver number one. There's also McCole Hardiman, Juju Smith-Schuster. So you have three incredible weapons there, all of whom bring something a little different to the table. With MVS, there is speed that cannot be ignored in the same way that there is speed with McCole Hardiman that can't be ignored. We're not saying it's Tyreek Hill speed, but it's still 4-3-3, speed respectively for Hardiman and MVS that opens things up offensively for everything to function the way that the Chiefs hope it will this season without Tyreek Hill in the fold. Let's welcome in Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst. Um, Mina, I don't know if you heard Chris Canty's comments there, so I'll kind of paraphrase here. He thinks that the Chiefs wide receiver room now, the quality of the Chiefs wide receiver room now, is better than when they had Tyreek Hill a year ago. Do you agree? I think... Just given Tyreek Hill's game tilting speed and how much he influenced the way defenses played the Chiefs, you can't call them better. But I do think they have more answers and different types of answers. So you, I guess you could say that they're more diverse in a way that makes me really excited to watch them this season. Uh, you know, just the so last season, just to recap, as everyone knows, uh, every defense in the NFL pretty much played the Chiefs with those two high looks. 
basically forcing them to either run the ball or begging them to run the ball, which they often refuse at times, or Patrick Mahomes to work underneath the field. Uh, so that would be naturally you know, a place for Travis Kelsey to eat. But outside of Travis Kelsey, they didn't really have consistent answers working underneath. Now they have two receivers in MVS, who, of course, has downfield speed as well, and Juju Smith-Schuster, who are tough. You know, both can block, I think, and, and will sort of be effective in that short to intermediate area, as well as Sky Moore, who they drafted out of Western Michigan, very twitchy slot receiver, great hands. And then, you know, MVS and Hardman can both stretch the field horizontally and vertically. So the question is, like, okay, combined, do all of these answers make for a better offense? I'm not so sure, but I think that they're, they're, that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy will have enough tools at their disposal to make adjustments. You know, so much will be talked about, you know, where, where uh, you know, where the Chiefs are going to make up for the loss of Tyreek Hill. Let's go to the other side of the football, Mina. How much are the Chiefs going to uh, miss Honey Badger back there in the secondary, though? You know, I, I don't think that much, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> and recognizing, you know, Honey Badger, so much of what he provided to the team was also, you know, intangible. But... On the field, while he is an incredible playmaker and has just this knack for disrupting quarterbacks and, and, and you know incredible ball skills as well, um, I think in coverage, uh, Justin Reed, the safety that they brought on out of Houston, has potentially more to offer at this point in his career. You know, you guys remember last year the Chiefs' defense was atrocious in the first half of the season, and then a bunch of things happened midway. You know, they bring in Melvin Ingram, edge rusher. Chris Jones moves back inside. Thank God. Willie Gay Jr. gets healthy again. They stop playing Dan Sorensen on the back end and play more Wanther. Thornhill, Legeria Sneed, or pardon me, Rashad Benton gets healthy. All these things conspire to make the unit better. This year, I think they have some holes still and some question marks, notably at edge rusher and cornerback that they're counting on rookies to produce in. But I like the, the players they brought in. I just question, you know, how quickly will it take for them off of jail? We're talking with Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, also the host of the Mina Kimes podcast featuring Lenny. I know this is weird to say, but hear me out. Like, is there, can you see an argument where the most pressure this season of any player on the Kansas City Chiefs is on the player who has come through for them time and time again in Patrick Mahomes? Well, I think. It'll be. I think we're going to get a really interesting answer to the question of defenses. Have the, has the way they've played them been entirely because of Tyreek Hill, or is it a combination of him and, and Hill, or is it Patrick Mahomes? And real quickly, we're going to see, okay, how does Patrick Mahomes respond to that, right? If defenses, no, for example, if defenses no longer play them uh, deep the way that they've been, can he connect with an MVS or a Hardman downfield? Does he have the patience to work methodically up and down the field with some of the uh, the, the receivers I mentioned, including more they drafted? Uh, and also, can he cut down on some of the unforced errors that they made last season? Um, you know, I, I don't think he's in one of the worst situations in the NFL by any measure. He still has a very good offensive line. But without Hill, you know, it does, I, I would say, exacerbate the pressure on him to compensate for any other issues on this offense. There she is, Mina Kimes. You can see her on NFL Live, hear her on her podcast. ESPN NFL analyst, kind enough to take some time joining Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells here on Canty and Carlin. Mina, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Bye.
So the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion, are still the favorites in the AFC to to win the AFC West. Now, the Buffalo Bills might have something different to say about that, as Mike and I have talked about with our ESPN two-a-day series continuing on today, doing both the Chiefs and the Bills. You know, the Bills might have the most complete roster in the NFL. They've loaded up this offseason. They, they've done a lot of things to help their case so where next time around, now the off, that the uh, overtime rules have changed, maybe things would change for the Buffalo Bills when they match up with the Chiefs, so whether it's in the divisional playoffs or in the AFC Championship. But what about the Bills and their wide receiver core? We'll get into that later on the show. ESPN Radio, ESPN App.